At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The reality we live in can be a very strange place. Most of the time, fact being stranger than fiction. How will we ever start to understand this reality we live in unless we question everything? Join me and a guest as we unravel the mysteries of this reality, one topic at a time. This is Inquiries of Our Reality with Shane Jones. Hey guys, and welcome to the show. I appreciate all of you guys for being here. And uh, if you're a new listener, I appreciate you coming and checking out the show for the first time. But uh, I got an awesome one for you guys today, as usual. But before we can do that, let's uh, run through this front of house stuff as quick as possible. Uh, If you guys don't mind reviewing the show, leaving a five-star rating, I definitely appreciate it. Uh, If you guys want to be nice enough to type out something awesome on iTunes, I'll at some point read it on the show as soon as I get a little bit of them banked up. Uh, if you guys want to get some more updates on the show, go and follow it on social media. Uh, you can also pop on to Telegram or Discord to have some awesome conversations with some awesome people. Uh, if any of you guys want to come on to the show, have some deep conversation, uh, if you're an author, researcher, experiencer, any of that stuff, uh, don't hesitate to shoot me a message. I'd love to have a conversation with you. Uh, you guys can contact me through email at inquiriesofourrealitypodcast at outlook.com, or you can shoot me a message on Instagram. That's the one that I'm the most active on. Uh, if you guys can't get enough of all of the strange, bizarre, awesome stuff that I get into, you guys can go and check out Bizarre Encounters that I do with my two awesome co-hosts, Oren and Jenny. Uh, if you guys want to get some more of the awesome stuff that I do and all the awesome shows that I seem to be adding constantly, uh, go and check out Open Minds Media. There's kind of like my production company for all of the different podcasts and different things that I do. Uh, if you guys want to support the show, there's multiple ways to do so. Uh, the first one is through Patreon. There you'll get live access to the show, early access to the show. You'll get live replays of the show if you guys aren't able to make it to the lives. Uh, there's also the Patreon-exclusive show, Inquiries, Thoughts, and Theories. Um, so I'm always building up and I got new stuff going on with the Patreon. There's four tiers, so uh, go and check it out. See if any of them are something that you would like to get involved with. Uh, you guys can also donate to the show through Red Circle, which is the RSS host. Um, you can also donate through PayPal, Venmo, Cash App. Uh, all of that goes towards the show itself. And eventually my hope is to be able to do this full time, to be able to hopefully drop an episode for you guys daily and uh, get even more in-depth with the research on all my different shows. So the only way I'll be able to do that was with your guys' help. So anything you guys can do, I definitely appreciate it, and I'll give you guys a shout-out on the show for anything that you guys do. 
Uh, you guys can also go and get yourself some awesome Open Minds Media merch. And by that, I mean you can get merch for any of the awesome shows that I do over on the Open Minds Media store. And if you guys do that, uh, please send me a picture of you guys wearing some of the merch. I would love to repost it on the page, get the word out, uh, give you guys a shout out, of course, and tag you guys in that. Uh, if you guys want to get yourself some awesome cryptid, alien paranormal merch go and check out joe at crypto theology uh he's always adding new designs always killing it over there i love all of his work i'm always wearing the shirts i'm sure if you guys watch the uh, live replays or anything like that you see that i'm always wearing his shirts i'm always uh reposting them on the page i love it and i love supporting local people and uh smaller people so uh with all of that you guys can go and check out the link tree all the links that i've said are all available down in the show description and uh with that please welcome to the show Dusty McBalls from the Rainy Day Horror Show. Welcome, man. How's it going? Hello. It's going pretty good. It's going pretty good. Can't complain. So uh, for anybody that isn't familiar with who you are and what you do, uh, why don't you kind of give them a rough idea about what got you interested in the things that you're into and uh, what exactly your show is? Well, I am the certified cougar hunter (laughs) and the man with balls too big to handle. I first got introduced into the paranormal and horror and all that when I was a young kid. Um, I've had experiences seeing my great-grandpa when he passed away when I was really, really young. And then I saw The Nightmare Before Christmas, and I completely fell into this weird and wonderful world of paranormal, true crime, cryptids, anything that's creepy. I try and cover it, and that's basically what I do on my show. So I guess kind of starting off from that first experience, uh, I'd like to dive into a bunch of different aspects of who you are and what you do for your show, but uh, one thing I always like to address first is bizarre encounters or weird things that have happened. So uh, if you don't mind, describe some of your uh, paranormal experiences that you've had. So I've had so many, but the first one was... I was young because we were living with my grandma at the time. And this is coming from her. I don't remember any of this whatsoever. But what happened was, I guess we went down the stairs into her basement. And what happened was I looked down the hallway and I looked at my, my grandma looked at me and said, what do you, what, like, what's going on down there? Like, what do you see? And I said, there's a man standing in the hallway and she just assumed well i shouldn't say she assumed we assumed that it was just my great grandpa do you have like a like a description of like what exactly if you remember like what what you saw exactly like what what made you think exactly that it was your grandpa did it physically look like him or um i was so young i it's so weird because like i don't remember any of it but At the time, my grandma has also had dreams where he was in her dreams. And like one night, there's this paint bucket that spilled in the hallway. And she had a dream where he came to her and said, Barb, the paint in the hallway is the paint buckets knocked over. She got up, went out there and sure enough, it was knocked over. So just from like those experiences that like dreams that she somewhat had, I assume she had more but that's the really the only one that she told me about. And I just, we just, she, and just, we kind of assumed that it was him. 
did it seem like it was like attached to her or to you exactly? Because I kind of have some some grandfather stories I'll get into after this mm-hmm. question. But uh, like, does it seem like it was attached to one of you guys, and does it like continuously still follow any of you? Well, I have heard from like one of my elders that he could be one of my protecting angels, one of my protectors. And literally just three, four weeks ago, I was hanging out with a friend and she, cause she can see shadow people. And she was like, um, there's a man, like he didn't want to make himself like he made himself known enough to me that I could tell he was a man, but I didn't want to go deep into it. And he is the only gentleman in my family that's passed away that like that we know of yeah because i mean it could go back farther than that for all you know especially if it's something that like follows you and protects you but uh like at least for me kind of shared my experience because i don't know if i've actually shared on this show but i know i've shared it on bizarre encounters um so my grandpa also passed away at a very young age and he always had this thing where he worked at a factory and didn't sleep in the same bed as my grandma because uh, she had a bunch of back problems because she got into different accidents, things like that. So his way of always letting her know that he was home was he would turn on the light. So then, you know, she'd wake up in the night and just see the light on and know that he was home. So after he passed away, uh, I was at my grandma's house and we had this weird experience where at in the middle of the night for the couple nights I was there and it continued on farther on in life. Uh, the bedroom light would turn on in his old bedroom. And it's been something that's kind of followed me around forever that just like weird things will happen. Like uh, I had this weird experience when I was a teenager. I know I've shared it on Uncomfortable if anybody wants to go and look up that podcast. Um, but I lived in this house that the best way to describe it is it seemed like it was like a house of like negative energy where it was like taking away and like pulling from people. And I had this weird experience with this like dark mass being and my grandpa pretty much like chased it away at that point. And he kind of like shows himself whenever he seems to be needed. And even kind of going back into earlier and even bizarre encounters, uh, there's this one specific night that I had the show that I really had to finish doing some work for. And I f- had randomly fell asleep on the couch and I didn't get any of the work done for it. So randomly in the middle of the night, the light turns on and it wakes me up. And I was like, all right, all right. And I ended up being something that had to do with like kind of the same concept as like the, the spirit stuff is like my grandpa and stuff. And uh, I kind of took that as a sign that that was him trying to do some good. And I mean, especially coming to like the family stuff, it doesn't necessarily have to be like something crazy. Like they're trying to attack like a dark force that's coming after you or anything like that. It could be something as simple as again, turning on the lights so you can get some work done because they're have your most positive intentions in mind, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I've also seen like my grandma's sister passed away from breast cancer and I, we were up in my great grandma's cabin and it was, oh gosh, probably around 2010. And I saw this little girl in a white dress come up the stairs because we ate outside because it was really nice so came up and just sat right next to me was it somebody that you seemed like you may have known or was it um like like was it your grandma or your aunt at a younger age or was it like somebody completely unrelated well it it looked like because my grandma showed me this picture of 
her sister when she was younger. And I was like, that's, that's her. That's who I saw. You know, what's really weird and confusing about the paranormal world is what image gets portrayed of you. I wonder if it's a matter of like them kind of choosing how they get portrayed or how they look, because you hear about like different people that'll pass away and there'll be different ages in this like afterworld or afterlife. Or if it's a matter of they're all of their different appearances all at once. And it's a matter of whoever the person seeing it is and what they want to perceive at that time, or depending on like which way they perceive or remember that person is maybe what gets projected to them. Yeah. Listen, I hope we can choose (laughs) what we want to look like after when we pass on, because I don't want to look 90 and be, I'd rather look 22 like I am now and just be that and, my afterlife. I feel like that would be a lot better. Assumably, I I would assume if I had to pick anything that it would be whatever your like peak was, you know, like some people's peaks are different. Like some people have their peak or what they feel the most comfortable with themselves, like in their sixties. And maybe that's kind of where that comes off. And some people feel the most comfortable with themselves in their twenties. So maybe it's like whatever time of your life you perceived as your peak is what you get portrayed at it as in the afterlife, because of course there is still like old ghosts in the afterlife, but you know, there Mm -hmm. are some people that enjoy being old. (laughs) That is true. That is true. But no, I've, that actually has never crossed my mind, which is kind of crazy. I get into the, uh, the deep and weird theories and I'm one of those people (laughs) that anything crosses my mind. It's one of those things that you just kind of have to throw it into the conversation because you never know what it might spark in somebody else's mind. Or even true. just dots they might connect in their mind, too, because you said the right thing at the right time. Mm-hmm. Yep, that is 100% true. So, uh, continuing on with uh, some of your paranormal stuff, I don't know if you have more experiences, but I'd like to uh, cover as many of these as possible, because mm-hmm. I definitely love some paranormal experiences over here. <laughs> um, I've had, when I was, again, when I was young, I was late at night. I was supposed to go to bed because I had school in the morning, but I didn't. Because Pokemon, I just got invested in a Pokemon. <laughs> I think we all did. <laughs> and, and I was looking at my Pokemon cards. I don't know how late, but it was late at night. And I'm just sifting through them, just looking at them. Excited that I finally got a decent deck. And my bathroom light flicks on. And my door's wide open. And like the head of my bed sees all the way down the hallway. So as I'm, as I look up, all of a sudden, I hear a bunch of noise coming from my bathroom, like stuff being thrown around. And I was like, what What the hell is this? Like, what is going on? And my little brain couldn't wrap around what was happening. And so me being completely scared, knowing that nobody in this house is up this late at the moment besides me, I just snuck into my brother's room, slept with him the rest of the night. And immediately as I went into his room, it all stopped. (laughs) It's a matter of maybe they were trying to harvest energy from you in particular. And it was a matter of you didn't have that negative energy after you were with your brother because it brought a sense of confidence to you because assumably like most paranormal things, it's a, seems to be a grasp for energy more than anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like, it's so weird because sometimes I feel like recently, I don't know if I should, I kind of want to save it. I'll, you know, I'll save that story for later because that's what's going on in my life right now. And it is 
a really, really bizarre tale of a rabbit hole that me and my friend are down right now. And we cannot, we don't know how to come out of it. And we want to figure this out so bad, but that one's a crazy story. But yeah, it's just like, I don't know what it was with my Pokemon cards because another literally maybe a year later, I was homesick because I think I had a fever and I was watching um, Harry Potter. I think it was the Goblet of Fire. Yeah, it was a Goblet of Fire because it was the first introduction of Voldemort, like officially. And I'm sitting there and my mom just made these really good, fresh, baked sugar cookies. And so I walk upstairs. I have my Pokemon card deck on the table and I was walking, I walked upstairs, grabbed the cookies, came back down. The blanket that I was laying in was flown across the room. The the Pokemon cards that were on the table were scattered throughout. Like they completely messed up my order. And you know, the little Pokemon ball, I think its name is like Vold, Voldemort or something like that. It was that, Vol- it's that little... Oh, what is that? It's uh, hold on. I'll play. I got the music while I look this up. <laughs> Who's that Pokemon? I need that sound effect. <laughs> Vol- Vulpix. Yeah. That's it. Is yeah. that it? Yeah, yep. it was that one. Is that one? And for some reason, he was that Pokemon card specifically was on top of the deck, and it happened to be the episode where or the movie where. Lord Voldemort happens to be in it. That scared me. I don't know if it was just a coincidence or what, but that literally scared me because I was terrified of Voldemort. I mean, even just like the concept of Voldemort to begin with, um, with just like his physical appearance, like it almost takes on like a uh, kind of relating into like cryptids and stuff, almost like the like Native American depiction of like of what a Wendigo would be. Um, not the whole like deer headed, like how it Hollywood's projected it to be, but just the like animalistic, uh, primal, fleshy, decaying kind of idea of him. And I'm sure that like part of what he looks like was inspired by that, of course. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with that. But uh, as far as your other story goes, you know what they say, man, there's no better time than the present. And if you say that you've dug into a rabbit that hole from it, I would definitely like to uh, jump onto this rabbit hole with you, my friend. Okay, cool. So I was just recently back home in Minnesota for work and I linked up with one of my friends. I was there for a few weeks and I linked up with one of my friends and there is this, so I live in, I live in Lakeville or I lived in Lakeville and there is this trail that is near Orchard Lake. It's like a, I think it's called Horsehead Trail it's where like uh, during the winter time, people will take their snowmobiles. It's just this huge trail system for people to go snowmobiling, cross-country skiing, um, horseback riding, and walk their dogs. So we're going on this trail, right? And we reach the first bend. Like this is like maybe 50 yards into the walk. It's not that we, we weren't that deep. And we come around a bend and my friend, she says, there's something crouched on my side of the path. I was on the left and she was on the right. She's like, something's crouched on the right. Flash your 
light over there to see if it's living or what it is. So I flashed my light and I was like, I don't see anything. There's nothing there. She's like, we need to go now. And like, she dead stopped and like grabbed onto my arm. I was like, we need to leave right now. Is this the friend that could see shadow people? Yes. And so I was like, okay, cool. Let's just turn around and go home. Let's just go back. And so we turn around and we start coming back. And then she sees something move in the, in like the bushes through the snow. And she was like, she's like, did you see that? I said, I saw it, but I think it was just a Fox or it was just, it wasn't anything paranormal. And she was already a little creeped out. I was creeped out. So we just said, you know what? It's a Fox. And then, so we're walking back and then we get to my car and something pulls on her pant leg. And so she's like, stop, you are not allowed to follow us. We do not want you here. So he got my car, drove away. And that was that for the night. A week later, I was like, you know what? Let's go say, let's go say hi to our boy. Let's see how he's doing. Let's see if he's still there. We get there and sure enough, same spot. He's right there. And she's like, oh, Logan, he's evil. He is really, really bad. Like he does, he hates us for whatever reason. He does not want us here and he does not like us. And then she, then she almost fainted because he projected all of his hatred and his just entire aura onto her. And I had to like help her back to the car. Well, that thing that we saw move through the snow, she's like, that wasn't a fox that night. Cause I saw it again tonight and that's his dog. So for whatever reason, his dog is there with him and she's like, that dog wants us to help him to move on into the afterlife. So we don't, well, not into the afterlife, but like move on so they can just be with each other, like, and not here. And so as we were leaving, we told them you're not welcome. Well, she told them you're not welcome to follow us, but what I took from that is I didn't have to say it. And she's like, why didn't you say it? You should have said it. I was like, that would have been helpful to know after I, after you said it and you obviously heard me not say it. And so we get to the car, nothing happens on the way there. So we start driving and literally maybe a mile from the trail, he comes through to her and says, don't ever come back. You were not welcome. And then literally maybe a mile again, she out of nowhere grips my arm really, really tight. And this is the only time I've ever screamed. Like I screamed in my car because as we were pulling up and I looked up cause I was looking at my dash to see how fast I was going. She grabbed my arm. I screamed. I looked up and there was this shadow figure that was walking off, off the road. And it was like, it appeared out of nowhere. I would have seen it because my lights, I have the, the neon, like the led lights. So I would have seen it pretty far away if there was a person walking. And as we pulled, as like I saw it and my lights, like lit it up. It was complete. Like I couldn't see if it was wearing jeans, if it was wearing like 
black sweatpants, if it was wearing just a black jacket or what, like it didn't illuminate any color or anything on it. And that from that one night literally sent me into a panic attack. It was, that was the first time I ever got so scared to the point I got a panic attack. So as that happened, we started talking about it and we got really curious. And then we're like, well, we'll go to the Lakeville um, records, the library, and we'll see if we can pull up anything on it. So a few days go by and we end up going to the, the library to pull the records. Well, there's, we can't, they're like, we don't have them here. Go to the city hall. So we go to the city hall and they're like, we don't have any records on Ritter farm here. And I was like, well, then where should we go? They're like, go down the hall to the park and rec and see what they have to say or go to Ritter farm yourself and see if the cabin, cause she was like, they're redoing the cabin. So see if the cabin is open and see if you guys can go in there. So we end up, we go to the park and recs, the park, play, the park and rec people. And they were like, here, we printed off everything we know about it. And this is all we got. And I was like, okay, cool. And they said like, if, if they don't have anything at the park about what's going on there, then go to the government center in Dakota County and they'll have stuff. They should have stuff for you. So we end up going, we end up driving right to the, we end up going to Ritter farm and it's completely locked down. Like there's nobody in there and we were peeking through the windows. It looked like it looked like it was vacant for at least a few months. Like nobody was in there and we started talking and we were like, this is just super weird that we, it's so hard to find information on a piece of land. That's like, what's the word I'm trying to think of it. Um, like a memorial, like just a memorial piece of like Lakeville. And I was like, yeah, that is a little suspicious. And so we started researching in the car and just trying to figure it out. Well, two years ago, we ended up finding out that a guy two years ago committed suicide at Ritter Park. He was found, his door was swung open and he was found with a 12 gauge shotgun blown straight through his head and started doing more research. I was like, well, this is weird. I wonder what else is like, if there's ever been any other deaths on this farm. And I found out that in 2014, they found remains of a guy from Lakeville who was missing since 2012. I can't remember the exact month, but he's been, he was missing for two years and two high school students or three, it was two or three high school students found his remains because they were there for like a class project or something. And then just to ask about his remains, were they like tattered or were they, did it seem like it was like a person trying to hide him or like he may have been like attacked by an animal? Well, 
that's the thing from how they found it. They said his remains were scattered. So they assumed it was an animal that got him, but we don't have in Lakeville specifically, we don't have any like, I'm trying to think maybe like we, I know we have foxes, but we don't, I don't think we have anything big enough that really do a number on someone of like, of like, you know what I mean? Of like a 50 year old guy, like you think he would like know better. Well, I got some concepts and theories on this stuff and uh, I don't want to deter from the story, but just to Mm -hmm. kind of bring in another possible component, are there any like strange sightings known in that area? Like dog men, anything like that? Not that I'm aware of, but we, I'm, so I'm assuming cause the, so the Dakota, they have a tribe or they have Shakopee is where like a lot of like the Dakota Indians where they stay. And I found this out through my research that they had an uprising in Lakeville and murdered the general that was like, that was cause it used to be a military base here way back when, because Fort Snelling, they had a highway that went from Fort Snelling straight to Lakeville. And that's where he was general of that base. And so I am assuming that there may be burial grounds on that whole plot of land that we're looking into and I can't like I've done the research and I just can't find like it is impossible right now for me to find anything on this park. I mean, because my kind of concept that I was possibly thinking of when you kind of first started the story and again, I don't want it to tear from it. I want to kind of see where you're at with the rest of the research on it. But uh, the first thing I was thinking <clears throat> when you mentioned the dog was it sounded kind of like flannel man. And I was going to ask if, you know, you kind of saw like an interpretation of what this guy looked like, and you ended up later on describing that it was just kind of like a dark black figure. But um, more often than not, it seems like flannel men are seen with a dog and they're usually carrying mm-hmm. a hatchet and they seem to be like they're somewhat somehow tied or linked possibly to like shadow people. And then as you kind of continued with it, I was wondering if possibly there's some type of like cryptid in the area and the aspect of the first one that you found committing suicide could have been that he was possibly cornered and didn't know another way out. And then that other one that was found could have been something that was theoretically like attacked by a cryptid. And Mm -hmm. you were kind of getting that energy of like a, like an evil or not you, but your friend was getting the energy of like an evil being. And it may not have been that at all. It may have been that the guy was full of anger because of how he died. And he was telling you guys to leave and that you weren't welcome because there's whatever was in the area that theoretically killed him possibly. And even kind of tying back in with like the Native American stuff, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Raven Mockers. Usually they're known more by like the Cherokee uh, more so than anything, but essentially they're like the harbor or harbingers of doom, I guess is the best way to describe it. Almost kind of like Mothman or like Blackbird of Chernobyl like, and uh, I don't know if they're known to theoretically like attack people like that. I mean, of course, with like Mothman, there's things where he's seen fly next to cars, going after cars, things like that, but he hasn't like full-blown like attack somebody but um 
you know, there's all the Native American lore that it was a curse on the land, specifically with like the Mothman thing. So that being said, with the whole thing with slaughtering all the generals, uh, maybe there was a curse on the land and there's whatever their variation of a raven mocker um, watching the land. And maybe that's where the cryptid aspect comes in is that it's protective of the land and trying to keep people off of it and kill things. And either one, that thing that was warning you could have been the raven mocker itself trying to like portray itself different to keep you off the land. Or again, like I was saying, it was one of the people that was attacked by whatever cryptid or creature or whatever the hell happened to be there. And it was trying to keep you guys away from it so that you guys didn't suffer the same fate. See, that's what I was, I was thinking that too. I was like, cause I told my friend, yeah, cause I'm still in Minnesota right now. And I told my friend, I was like, you know, what if he was angry at what happened to him and he was trying to protect us so we wouldn't either get hurt or disrupt something that is there. And because prior to that experience, the only other creepy experience I had at that, at that trail was I was there. I was on Friday the 13th. It was like three, two, three years ago. It was right before I moved to Atlanta. And yeah, I was, it was Friday the 13th. And cause I sometimes will walk the trail at night by myself just because it is like, it's really beautiful. Like to see all the stars, like, it's just really, really beautiful out there. Even though there's a conjuring tree, like a mile into the trail that is really, really eerie. But as, as I was around the same spot, I was maybe because like there's the top of the hill and then it goes dips down a little bit and then it goes into the bend where we saw that where she where my friend saw that shadow figure at and I heard something from behind me I heard like a door shut and I saw somebody come out with like we know like those like night lamp things that hikers or like yeah. campers use the headlamps so. Yeah, he he had one of those on and it was just the normal LED light. And I was like, eh, this is kind of creepy. I don't know what he's doing out here. I should I should be the only one that's out here right now, especially if there's no other cars in the parking lot. So just to throw like, an idea out theoretically, um, just just an, just an idea before you continue on. Uh, coon hunters are known to go out at night. Um, not all of them use flashlights, but if it was somebody living nearby, um, just just to kind of throw in a different mm-hmm. idea, it could have possibly been like a coon hunter that was out there at night, and that's why he didn't find a car is because he lived somewhere local. That could have been it too. But as I was, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna leave. This is a little weird. I'm a little sketched out. Just something didn't feel right. So I started going home, or I started walking back. And as I got to the gate, I looked behind me, and it was the. Th- the person or thing or guy or whatever it was, I didn't, I was extremely scared. So I didn't really get a good (laughs) idea on it. And so I look back and I see him running and behind him, there was a group of people, whatever they were with red led lamps on. And I was like, no, I'm leaving. (laughs) <laughs> so I ran to my car, got in my car, and I drove out of there. Did you say that this was where the burial grounds theoretically would be? Yes. 
So just going into a theory with that, and I know I've talked about it on Bizarre Encounters a few times for anybody who listens to that show also. Um, when you think about Native American burial grounds, rather than the grounds themselves being haunted or whatever you want to call it because of the, it being a Native American burial ground, what if rather the Native Americans picked that land because it is a sacred ground in the aspect of maybe it's a spot where the veil's thinner or they're able to communicate better. So maybe the idea is that they bury their dead in this spot because there's a thinner veil spot and they know that there's a way for them to kind of communicate from the other. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Side, and continuing with that theory with all the different many lights that you were seeing, um, they could have been residual of whatever is on the other side of the veil in that area. Um, and it could be native American ancestors or it could have been something completely different, but there's something I feel to the land itself rather than it just mm-hmm. being a native American burial ground. Like, I think there's a reason why they pick specific spots to bury their dead. Yeah. And that's what, well, through this whole research, that's what we're trying to figure out because like, even after we like, Tomorrow, we're going to South St. Paul because they got the research society there and we're going to do more stuff and then like more research on it. Then we're going to head to Hastings and then we're going to because there's a we can get funny story as we were at. So we went to after we did our research in the car and figured out all of this stuff, we ended up going to Apple Valley to go to the government center and we went to their library. They said, we can't help you. So they gave us the stuff for the research society that we're going to tomorrow. And then we were like, well, let's go check the main building, see what, see if they can help us, see if they have anything. Cause that's what the parks and rec places for them. So we go in there and there's these two deputy sheriffs and we, <laughs> we drug one of them into it on accident, but it was so funny. Um, so, and this is the only time that I felt like legitimately crazy explaining something to somebody because we're like, yeah, we just want to know um, about like Ritter Farm. And they told us to come here and like, we're looking for, cause so let me backtrack a little bit. My friend ended up finding a photo of the guy that she sees and his name is Carl Christensen. And so we're like, yeah, we're trying to find out about the land. And like one of the owners that owned part, some acres on this land at one point, and his name's Carl Christensen, but we can't find a birth date or death date for him. And one of the sheriffs, the female sheriff, she was maybe in her, I don't know, mid fifties. And she was like, she's like, let me, let me see what I can do. Let me see if I can help you guys. So we accidentally started just rattling it off, like what we need to her. And she was kind of looking it up online and she's like, yeah, I'm not getting anything. And she's like, you know, it's really weird that, you know, you can't find a birth date or death date for him and his wife. She's like, usually they only do that for really, really awful people. 
And what what other, time period was this, by the way? Oh, they bought the farm in 1942. Oh, so it's still relatively recent where they would have been re- recording yeah. things. It wasn't like 1800s where there was like chances no. of them not recording things. No. And the guy that actually the Christensen family bought the farm from, his name was Gordon. And in like, you would think for, they would give us first and last names for the people that like, if you wanted to find out information, cause you can look it all up online and you'd think that they would be like, Oh, his name's Gordon. And then hit you with the last name. And you know what I mean? But they didn't even have his last name in it. So we are kind of a little weirded out about that, but I don't know if we're just kind of overthinking it a little bit. And so, so we got this deputy sheriff, we get her involved and she's helping us out, telling us like where to go and stuff like this. And then the, the male share, the male sheriff, he was like, um, just by curiosity, you guys aren't in trouble or anything. What is this for? <laughs> and I basically told him the entire story of where we were up until then. And he was like, Oh no, I'm not, you guys aren't crazy. It's just sure. Whatever. <laughs> and so we end up getting her involved and she's helping us out. And now we're up to where we are now and we're going to South St. Paul to the national research society tomorrow to figure it out, see if we can dig up anything. And then we're going to go to Hastings, see if we can figure out the plot and what happened on that land because they have to keep records of it from what the sheriff told us. And so I end up getting home around like five thirty, and I go and ask my mom and I was like, I went, well, didn't really ask her. I told her, I was like, mom, did you know that there was a suicide on Ritter farm? Like two, like two years ago. And she's like, yeah. I was like, really? She goes, yeah. One just happened literally like three weeks ago. I was like, no way. And she's like, yeah. And I was like, I was like, I wonder why people go and do it over there. She's like, Logan. So she graduated in 98 and she was like, ever since I was in high school and up until now, people have been going to that park and committing suicide. So I was just like, really? She goes, yeah. And it's like an unrecognized American suicide forest. I, I, from what (laughs) I've heard in the stuff that I've researched on, yeah. I mean, it dates back to like, like I said, 1982 where a drug deal went bad and somebody got shot and they just dumped him in the park at Ritter farm. It almost seems like there's just more to it. Like in the, in depth, like, like maybe there's like a reasoning for it in the aspect of like, if there is something in that area, be it a spiritual being or something, it almost seems like uh like almost sacrificial in a way, because you can even take it from the aspect of like, if there is a dark energy or dark force in there, it could almost like mimic and trick people into doing it. And in turn, like satisfying its, its blood thirst or, you know, negative energy thirst or soul collecting, whatever the hell its intentions are. Yeah. See, that's what we were thinking too. Like, cause my friend was like, why does like this piece of land just shouldn't ordinarily have this many deaths or this many suicides at it. It just doesn't make sense. So she was like, I wonder if it's like something supernatural that like when pe- when somebody goes there and they're like sad, depressed, or just having a rough time, if it just latches onto them. 
yeah, it amplifies and it just, those emotions. Yeah. And then like when they can't have enough, they're like, well, I'm going to go there and do it because this park isn't just like, you know how you can go to like a park and just be there for hours and not have anybody bother you. No cops come to you. Well, this park, since it's, since it's like such a like memorial park and I like read the signs and everything. And it says, if you're here after 10, like don't be here because the cops patrol and come back here regularly. That sounds again, just like the suicide forest. Cause I got signs out there that say, don't be there past 10. And again, it's because there's something dark in that forest. And I don't know if people have exactly like put a name or an idea on it, but whatever the hell that is, even if it's like a dark form of like an elemental, like there's something to it. And it seems like this place and the actual like suicide forest in Japan uh, have a mm-hmm. lot of weird similarities. Yeah. And they keep renovating this park, adding new trails, doing just re-renovating like the old buildings and stuff like that. So they're constantly like disturbing the peace in the land over there. So I wonder, I wonder if when they first started it, if it was, if maybe they pushed up a, like just pushed up a spirit and he was like, woke him up and he just wasn't happy or this whole area just wasn't happy about whatever, whatever they're doing over there. But yeah, it's really bizarre right now. And I don't, I don't know how far this goes and I'm hoping we have some good luck tomorrow with finding what really happened on this land. So have you uh, yeah. also just another aspect you should do is uh, dig farther back into s- potential suicides. Like, I don't know how far back that would actually be recorded, but I don't know. There might be suicides that date back to way earlier than that actual farm for all, you know? Yeah, that's true. I would have to, yeah, I'm gonna have to look into that, but, and it just came to me. Like, I was like, maybe this, cause there was that huge battle where that general got shot or that general got killed. The Metawankinton tribe is literally 15 miles away. I wonder if something between the native Americans and that army, that general's army, if something just collided and it just had complete bloodshed because in downtown Lakeville, there's, specifically a cemetery where some native Americans are buried. I mean, that bloodshed could have even woken up something even more ancient than what people expected. Like maybe it all started with that bloodshed initially. And then it's like one of those things like an attic that once you get a big fill, you got to have a continuous fill of it. And after it had that massive amount of bloodshed, it still has that craving for blood, but it's not able to get it in that amount that it was for that battle. So, um, you know, each little suicide is still kind of, kind of quenching its bloodthirst for whatever the hell the dark force is that happens to be in there. And for at least me, I kind of link it more towards elementals more than anything. Mm -hmm. And I think that elementals are one of those things that aren't necessarily inherently like good or bad. It's more so just this neutral ground that, you know, humans, like we're the ones that come up with like the moral compass of things. But when you go into other beings, higher dimensions, whatever you want to word it as their moral code may not be exactly the same as like we perceive it as, because even just Mm -hmm. as people like for ants, for, for example, you crush an ant, you're not thinking of it because it's like a lower life form than what you expect yourself to be. But if you're some type of like, for lack of better term, like godlike being or some type of like powerful being, you could be looking at humans like they're 
like how we perceive ants, like one dies, who cares? It's what it is, what it is. Or even just like how we view like cattle or different things that we eat. If it's something that needs that negative energy and it eats off of it and harvests off of it, then it's not looking at humans as like a moral good thing. It's looking at it more as like a food source than anything. And when it comes to a food source, you kill for what you need. Yeah. See, that's one thing that I haven't really invested in yet was looking into elementals because I never heard of them until I started listening to you on Bizarre Encounters. And that's the first time I've ever heard about it. And then once I started, cause my friend, she's kind of helping me like explore more of like my spiritual side and see like how, cause it's weird because I get really, really vivid dreams and I get premonitions to like too much. And like the other day after we did some of that research, I went home. I was, I was like, you know, I was, I was tired, but I wasn't like, I was just want to take like an hour, two hour nap. And I ended up falling asleep for like an hour and a half. And in my dream, it was weird because like, I, like, you know how you just close your eyelids before you go to sleep and you're kind of just like there, you're kind of just like, you know, comfortable. You're not about to fall asleep yet, but you're getting there. Mm-hmm. Well, it was complete darkness and all I could see were like these wisps that were going from white straight to red. And I was kind of covered, like hiding a little bit like behind something. Like I had my like hand wrapped around like somebody's leg or like a ledge or something. And I was just yelling at whatever it was in this dream. And, and it was yelling back at me. Like, I didn't know what it was saying, but my subconscious was like just replying back to it and saying everything. And I was like, I'm just like, I don't know what I'm witnessing. And during this dream, I felt like this weird energy. It was like a leash and it like connected in like between my shoulder blades and it went all the way back. Like something was protecting me. I told my friend about this and she was like, maybe you got into a fight with Carl Christensen and because you didn't protect yourself, he might have done some sort of attachment to you. And that's when I texted you about it. I was thinking it may even be something that's even farther past that, like the elemental or whatever the dark force is. And maybe that tether was Carl Christensen trying to pull you back away from it because it was able to attack you in a spiritual aspect because maybe the more time you spend in that land, the more of a connection you're starting Mm -hmm. to develop with it. I I didn't even think about that. That could have been it too. That could have been it. And I found out like a few months ago that I can lucid dream. And right as the dream started to end, I got like, it felt like I got punched in the chest, like right in my heart. And I woke up a little bit and then I I get like, before I start to lucid dream, I get like these weird, like kind of like these pulsing headaches where like, it feels like I'm like my frequency is hovering at a, is hovering really, really high. And like, I'll wake up because sometimes I'll get too high and it'll snap. And I started to lucid dream. And my friend thinks that whatever entity was upset, like I was upset with, tried pulling me into a lucid dream so it could control my dream. That's another aspect I didn't even come at or even was thinking of. (laughs) Because like theoretically, 
like the dreamscape could be one solid place or there could be multiple places that are all connected and it's not necessarily just like one dreamscape, but it's like multiple dreamscapes that are all connected into each other. Or it's just like a void dimension where it fully is able to be controlled and developed by whoever the controlling factor is at that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think I'm a powerful dreamer because this isn't like the first time I've had a weird, like, ex- like strong dream, like, years ago like maybe four years ago i had a dream like i had this i've had this shadow person or shadow thing follow me for a decent while like he he he'll pop up every now and then but one like i always lights off door shut i'm sleeping i i sleep in complete darkness otherwise i'm not gonna i'm not gonna fall asleep so i went to bed i had a dream that I was physically like fighting the devil in a ravine and there were like castle ruins in the ravine and I'm fighting the devil. I can't remember if I was, I assume I was almost losing because I woke up right after that dream. Not to My cut away door, from your dream real quick, but what did you perceive the devil as? I'm always curious about this because everybody seems to have different per- perspectives. I just see him as that's a good thought. That's a good thought. Um, I just see him as just an evil being that just wants to inflict pain. Like physical and appearance like, wise. Oh, he was the normal, like you see, like how, you, like your generic picture of him. Was Red, it like the, like horns. the, yeah, I was wondering if it was that or like the suit one, because it seems like as a collective, like all, all people have seemed to progress this idea where, most people would always see the devil as the thing with horns. And it seems like the new generation of people that are having these visions where they're seeing the devil, it's more so projected as this like elegant guy wearing like a suit with like maybe very subtle horns. So I was curious if you were into that new group mass, like perspective of him, or if it was like the classical perspective. No, mine was the classical perspective of him. And so we were fighting and I'm going to assume I was losing because I woke up from it and I woke up. My door sw- was swung all the way open and I saw like this black mass in my doorway just shoot away like insanely quick. And this was like the middle of the night. So it's like the wisp shadow people because for people that aren't familiar, there's like categories of shadow people and there's ones called the wisps, which are the ones that you see in the corner of your eye or they always seem to dart off when you seem to look at them. Mm-hmm. That's exactly. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. So I moved in. So fast forward a few years, I'm in Atlanta. I just moved in with my aunt and I'm, a, well, my aunt, they were back for the holidays this past Christmas and I sleep in my cousin's, in my cousin's room. And cause they let me sleep in there just because when they're there, the two little ones can have the bunk bed. So I'm in my cousin's room and I assumed cause on Paris time, they get up at like four 30 in the morning. So I assumed that, you know, my cousin came into, came into her room and got something to wear. So as I get up, I put, I get ready for work. I open the door and I 
go down and my uncle's my uncle works for delta and he was like i asked him i was like was there anybody did beckett or ava go into my room like what's going on and he was like no he's like i noticed your door was open and that was before even up i was like well, that's a little weird so i didn't really think much of it and then i went to work came home and like a week went by and they're still there everybody the whole family's there now for christmas and stuff like that I am about to fall asleep and I had was laying on my side and, and I had my whole arm exposed. And as I'm about to fall asleep, something grabs onto my arm and I can feel it. And I shoot straight into a dream where I were in the dream. I am in my bedroom, my old bedroom at my parents' house. And I'm laying on my side and my doors open and something asked me, can I sleep with you? And so I have a younger brother. So I was like, yeah, sure. I just assumed it was him without even looking. Cause I was just tired in my dream. I was just tired. And so I get up, I move over a little bit. And as I lay back down on my side, it wasn't like a specific figure or a person, but it was like this, just this black mass, just this black cloud basically that was tall and long and did it have the shape of like a person like a shadow person or was it like something completely different it a little bit like i didn't really look at it because like i was like in my dream i was like this is bad something evil and it made me like my hair on my like on my arms stand up and then i woke up and i was like yeah i'm not going back to bed for the rest of the night yeah fuck that <laughs> yeah and this really all of this started when i lived with my grandparents house and one night i woke up from my i woke up in the middle of the night i, I was really gross i wasn't really paying attention and this one looked like a legitimate shadow person and it was the creep like looking back at it it was the creepiest thing ever they always had their hall light on in the basement just because my grandma sometimes would do laundry at night and as i'm as i wake up i kind of sit up and i look in the doorway my door my door i can't speak <laughs> my door was swung all the way open and there was maybe it's like six seven uh, probably almost like seven foot tall shadow figure standing in my doorway and he, his arms were, he was like tall and lanky like me, but his arms went down to like maybe his knees a little bit. And he had very, very sharp fingers. And, but like, he didn't really like, and his feet were, like, I don't know, maybe like a size 15 shoe. So he had feet, and I just assumed it was my grandpa. And then I woke up at the next morning and my, when my door was still open, I was like, mm, my grandpa would not have left my door open. I mean, getting into the shadow people concept, one thing that I've always kind of addressed is I don't think it's necessarily all one thing because there's all the different variations of shadow people. Maybe it's a 
it's a spectrum that we can't understand. So our eyes just perceive it all as darkness. So there's a lot of different beings that we're all seeing, but we categorize them all as shadow people because that's all we can perceive. Because at least with this structure, it seems like it was different than the typical shadow person thing. So again, maybe they all come from theoretically the same reality. Maybe it has something to do with being from the void. Maybe altogether, they have full materialistic views and images. It's just a matter of like, we're not able to perceive their colors and light spectrum. Yeah, see, like, I'm super new to this, so I just got, like, I just went, like, full balls to the wall with, like, paranormal stuff, like, recently when I started my podcast, so, like, I'm still, that's why I wanted to come on the show, because, like, I'm still trying to wrap my head around, like, that whole area and that whole subject from somebody that has more experience than me, at least. I've uh, spent way too much time dabbling in the dark, even to the point where I've talked to a few people too that they think it's, a, again, going into the matter of perception that uh, I was talking to R- Mike R- Rick Cycler on the show a long time ago, and we got into this concept of it seems that some people view shadow people as like a like a light, lightish kind of being, and other people view them as like a dark being, and there's been experiences where two people are looking at the same thing and seeing it different, and I was wondering if maybe it relates to male and female that um, maybe has something to do with like the cones in your eyes and they're able to perceive different colors and things because more often than not from at least when he was describing it it seemed like uh, it was more like the males were seeing certain things as dark and females were seeing certain things as light and maybe again that's also an adaptive thing where it's only certain people in the new generation are able to perceive it like that because we're Mm -hmm. progressing and evolving as a race where maybe we're starting to develop new things because we need it to perceive the world around us where before it wasn't a necessity where now that seems like the veil is thinning overall. Uh, Maybe it's becoming more of a necessity that people are starting to be able to adapt and interact with these, these other sides way more. Yeah, that, yeah, I never thought of it like that. I just always thought of it as just like, it's a ghost. That's just what it is. But after listening to a bunch of episodes that you've released and from other people, I'm starting to kind of grasp my whole idea on like, or just not really grasping it, but just trying to understand it. And it's nice hearing a bunch of other opinions on it because this this goes so deep i mean even uh pertaining to just like life after death in general more often than not i don't feel like people have a reason to like grasp and to stay in this reality and especially if you get into the whole concept of like consciousness being more than what it is uh possibly progressing into new lives um progressing into another dimension theoretically Uh, There's not really like a set reason why the majority of people would grasp here. Like maybe there are some that grasps, but more often than not, uh, I've kind of gotten into this other concept, kind of going back to almost like the Native American land, that there's something particular with certain lands and in certain places where people are seeing like ghosts, maybe it's not necessarily a ghost, but it's whatever that consciousness is in that land, um, attaching to an image and projecting an image of something that's has been there and maybe they're able to make them conscious, but rather than it being that specific soul, it's whatever the consciousness is in that area, taking the form of something that it's familiar with or have seen in that location before. Yeah, that could be, yeah, that could be it. And like, cause since my friend can see shadow people, she's 
now like trying to get me she's trying to get me she's explaining it more to me and she's like not all like i know like this like when people say shadow people they automatically like assume that they're always evil entities that are just sucking the energy out of people i think they're more of a neutral thing yeah she's like not all of them are bad usually they're just passing through our realm our realm to get to another one Oh, I'm glad that you mentioned that, actually. I'm going to get into this whole concept with that. You're talking about passing from one reality into another. Uh, I've been heavy into this concept lately that reality itself may be more like boxes, where each reality kind of like is it within its own box. And on each outer side of that box, there's another reality that exists. So theoretically, you'd only be able to go into other realities that are touching your reality. But if you needed to go into the reality that's on the other side of that, you would have to pass through that middle reality first. And at least for shadow people, maybe when you, your friend mentions that they're just passing through this reality, maybe it's because they're from a reality that's on this side, then there's our box and then there's another reality on the other side and they're trying to get over to that point. But again, their box isn't touching that box. They would have to pass through another box to get to that box. Mm -hmm. Well, that makes a lot of sense. And I'm still trying to be like, you know, because it's so confusing. It is so much information and so much researching that, like, you're trying to be like, that could be it. But then you look around the course, like, no, that could also be it. And, <laughs> like, you kind of have to look at, least, at information like a funnel where you have all of these broad ideas. And, ide- and as things start making sense, you kind of start funneling them down more and kind of drop mm-hmm. off which stuff doesn't start to fit until you're finally able to get to it. But, you know, you need that starting funnel point where you have all these different ideas and theories and then you start to kind of build down from there. Yeah, that's and because your box theory was kind of like mine. Like I always thought it as like we're in the middle they're above us and something's below us and they're just going from us to and then there's still stuff on each side too yeah and i never thought that there could be stuff on the left or right i was just i always just thought it was up and down because that could be the linear dimension and then that's when you go into like the higher dimensions and the lower dimensions are when you go into the upper Mm -hmm. boxes and the lower boxes which could vibrate and be totally other different comprehension of life, but maybe all of the ones that are linear with us are all ones that can somewhat be explained through like our logic of understanding. And they see the perception of the world as like how we just see it dimensionally, where when you go into the above or the negative, maybe the one below sees things more as like a two dimensional. And then the one above sees things as like the, the fifth dimensional concepts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I listen like I listen to a bunch of podcasts and it does like that does make sense to me. At least it makes the most sense. And I know it's subjective to everybody. And, but I kind of, I feel like I tend to agree more with what you said because it, it just makes most, most sense to me. At least for me, I feel like I link the paranormal more into like, bigger world interdimensional uh, kind of concepts rather than mm-hmm. like magic concepts because especially through time as you've seen all it takes is an understanding of something and it goes from magic to science such as alchemy mm-hmm. going from alchemy to chemistry it's just a matter of understanding it so I try to come at things at least in the paranormal aspect for sure from more of a uh, 
for lack of a better term, like a scientific angle rather than like a totally magical angle. Um, just to bring more perspective, but I, I, I'm kind of one of those people that I have the woo woo and I have the skeptic side. And I feel like that mm-hmm. you have to find the good spot in the middle. Cause more often than not with night with most things, the truth is somewhere in the middle. It's not strictly based science and it's not strictly woo woo. It's somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. I, te- yeah, I agree with that, but I mean, those, I mean, I have a few other paranormal experiences, but they're not as interesting as those ones. <laughs> I mean, if you'd like to, we can always get into them. If not, we can start wrapping down. Totally your call. Um, I know I've had a few more. Minus me just hearing stuff constantly going out throughout the house and then asking my parents if anybody was walking around the house at two o'clock in the morning and then they look at me like I'm crazy. But pretty much other than that, I that's it for me. So uh, with that... I always like to leave with words of wisdom. So if there is any words of wisdom that you could bestow on the listeners, what would it be? It would be, that's a good one. I've never been asked this before. When MJ said in Spider-Man No Way Home, if you expect disappointment and you get disappointed, it makes it better when you're not disappointed. I dig it. Good words to live by and also appreciate the comic book shout out because <laughs> I haven't had anybody drop words of wisdom that were comic book related besides possibly with more power becomes more responsibility. But maybe that one's just one of my own. I don't know if anybody's <laughs> actually dropped that one on the show, but there's just another little Spider-Man one to throw in for you guys because apparently Spider-Man's full of words of wisdom. <laughs> well, see, I couldn't take exactly what she said, so I had to put the Dusty McBalls special on it. So, <laughs> and uh, for anybody that's enjoyed the conversation and they want to dig into all of your work that you do, uh, why don't you let them know where to come find you and your podcast at? I am on Instagram at Dusty McBalls for my personal Instagram account, and for my channel's Instagram account, it's just the Rainy Day Horror Show, and I'm the original. So there's no other one like there's no other account that's like mine. And I am on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, basically all of them. If you ever want to tune in and listen, I release my episodes every Sunday around noon. And I will, of course, add your uh, descriptions or your links into the show description. So if anybody wants to come and check it out, they got a quick, easy way to do so. And uh, I appreciate you making the time to come on the show today. And I appreciate you sharing your encounters. And if you guys, if you happen to get any more information on it, I would definitely love uh, if you throw it my way. And uh, if you're interested, I'm always more than happy to throw my different theories and knowledge on it too. Oh, definitely. And thank you for having me. It was a pleasure and an honor to be on the show. And this is my first time ever being interviewed on a show. So I'm very excited. And it ended up being a great one. So I'm, I assume that everybody enjoyed it. And I'm looking forward to having you on in the future because I feel like there's a lot more that we can dig into in the future because uh, we, we didn't really get to dig into what you covered on your show. So there's already a huge leeway of new mm-hmm. stuff that we can dig into next time. Most definitely. Most definitely.
If you guys enjoyed the show and don't mind dropping a rating or review, I definitely appreciate it. And uh, if any of you guys want to get a hold of me for any reason whatsoever, be it being a guest on the show, there's something you feel you can contribute to the show, uh, don't hesitate to shoot me a message. Uh, you can email me at inquiriesofourrealitypodcast at outlook.com. Uh, you can also go to the link tree and up at the top there is a submission form. Fill that out and it goes to my email. Um, I do respond to every single email I get, so keep an eye out in your spam or junk folder because for whatever reason, it seems like a lot of stuff tends to go there. Don't let one of my replies get missed because I would love to talk to you guys. You guys can also shoot me a message over on Instagram. That's the one that I'm the most active on, but all the things that I've mentioned, all available under the link tree. That's uh, L-A-N-K-T-R period E-E slash inquiries of our reality podcast. And with that, I hope you guys enjoyed the show and I'll catch you on the next one. Have a good night, everybody. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.